this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Thank you for joining me, Mike Dilk, with the Relax Back UK show. This week, the show is made possible by the kind sponsorship of AlgoCells. AlgoCells uses the body's own stem cells ability to regenerate tissue to treat joint and spine injuries and pain. Check out their website, algocells.com. Now, I'm a big fan of wearable technology, you know, the, the kind of thing that might be a watch sort of device that measures your heart rate, etc. And they're becoming more popular they really are you know catching on so i've spoken to a couple of people in the know about what they can do how accurate they are how they work do they really motivate us etc also can they provide valuable health info patients have brought in data that has really been life-saving for them dr punan krishan discusses this and general tips on heart health um, if we don't have these devices. Then looking at not only how they can help sporty people, but also providing good info for everyone. It's an opportunity for, the, for every person, day-to-day life, to have a little bit of knowledge about their health. So whether that's a case of they just like to see their heart rate or they like to see if they slept well, or when they're exercising, they want to see if they run a bit quicker. I chat with Anne Rees from MyZone. Then also an update on my personal heart health and attempts to get my weight down and fitness up. So please do stay tuned for a great show. Thank you. The station that makes you feel good. Nagging pain. We at AlgaCells know that a small amount of the patient's own bone marrow and blood cells can treat many painful conditions with regenerative orthopaedic therapy. This is an attractive treatment option for painful joints, back pain, sports injuries and many other conditions. It may avoid the need for surgery altogether. AlgaCells. Part of a network of 50 Regenex clinics worldwide, where over 60,000 patients have been treated and helped. AlgaCells. Life is more beautiful with less pain. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. So I spoke with Dr. Poonan Krishan about heart health and if wearables can help with that and also how we can be aware of our heart if we don't have any sort of monitoring device. I started off by asking if if many of us actually don't really check on our heart health at all and if that's the case across all ages. Yes and and more so actually uh, now Interestingly, uh, there was a study done by Fitbit, which you know asked people about how often they're checking on their heart health, and over a third people, a third uh, of the respondents said that they've never checked on their heart health. And uh, I think that what we need to do is to speak to all generations because prevention is better than cure. And what I often find is people wait until something bad happens until they actually have a heart attack or unfortunately had a stroke or developed some sort of an underlying heart condition where they then go, God, I need to take action, but we shouldn't need to wait till that point. Well, so, yeah, I mean, so I, I personally suffer from high blood pressure, but I, mm. I kind of discovered that by accident, you know, so okay. is, is, is that a story you hear quite often, you know? Yeah. 
Yes, no, it is. I mean, if we think about blood pressure itself, it's why we call it, you know, we call it a silent killer because actually it, it can be high and you might never have any symptoms and then it's picked up incidentally or you know what I'm seeing a lot uh, these days most people wear some form of tracking devices um, and trackers are brilliant at picking up uh, you know whether you've got a high heart rate that's persistent uh, whether there's any issues there some can measure blood pressure in fact there's a new piece of technology that's really exciting uh, which Fitbit have launched which is an irregular heart rhythm notification feature and this can actually tell you whether there's any heart irregularities alerting you to a condition that not many people know, but affects 1.4 million Brits in the UK every year. Yeah. It's a condition right. called atrial fibrillation. Mm. Hey, let, me, let me just pull you up on something there. I mean, you're, you're obviously keen to chat about the wearable, wearables. And you say, well, yeah, yeah. most people wear these things or use these things. But uh, no, they don't. <laughs> they, they, I mean, nope. maybe lots of people do in your circle, but most people mm-hmm. don't use these things. So I, I guess my question is, how can most people kind of keep a check on their heart? What's what's the infrastructure to let us do this? Oh, it, it comes down to a whole load of things. Looking after your health and well-being is a holistic approach. So it's one about making sure that you are informed. The more we learn about how to do these things. So, you know, I, I recommend to everyone, fair enough, you're saying, you know, I, I do see with the increased use in tech, younger people are using devices. But, you know, old school get your fingers onto your wrist and check your pulse, you know, check in and get to know what's normal for you. What does, you know, the average person, a heart rate is typically between 60 to 100 beats a minute. And if you are checking the rhythm of your heart and your beats every now and then, getting to know what's normal for you, that is often the first indication, but also looking out for, are there any signs and symptoms that you are developing that are persistent and causing you some concern, especially if you have got a family history of heart disease. Right. So, so that, that's that's the question, really. So, you you, you mentioned heart rate. What are the, mm. what are the kind of things that need to be measured? What what are the um, you know, the the, the vital signs, if you like. Mm. So, vital signs. One being, so I've mentioned there, your heart rate. So, knowing that you know, is is your heart rate between sixty and hundred? It, it will, of course, vary depending on different activities that you will do. Our heart rate typically tends to fall when we're right. sleeping. Yeah, when so you're actually, exercising. Sorry, let, let, let me just in, in, interrupt. Heart rate. How can a regular bloke measure their heart rate? Yeah. So by simply putting your fingers onto onto your wrist and. And 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 just measuring it. So by that you're ta- you're counting it to sixty minutes, sixty seconds, obviously, and counting it out. So if right. over sixty seconds you're feeling your pulse and thinking, well, actually, that that I've, I've timed it out. It's one hundred and twenty. Uh, I'll check it again in about an hour's time, and it's still one hundred and twenty. Oh, it's gone up to one hundred and thirty, and it's consistently like that. You you do not want to be ignoring that. And I do recommend keeping symptom diaries as well as. You know, just journaling it. When patients bring these numbers in sometimes and they say, well, I popped into my pharmacy and they did a blood pressure check and they said that my heart, you know, the upper number was a bit high. Can you just double check that? You know, I would say that don't ignore those things. Do pop into no. your doctor and have a chat about yeah. it. All right. You, you were listening to the kind of vital signs before I interrupted you. So sorry, we got the rate. <laughs> yep. Uh, so obviously you mentioned there that you incidentally can I ask how was it that you found your blood pressure to be high so I I, I was at one of those sort of business shows and there was a little booth and the guy there was essentially selling or or marketing one of those machines that you can Mm. set up in your office to monitor the health of your staff which is a great thing so I walked past there was no one else there. I felt sorry for him. So I started chatting and he said, here, <laughs> yeah. stick your hand in here. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He took the measurement and he said, you need to do something about this. Yeah, so it, yeah. It, and, so and you did. Luck. Yeah. And I think that this is it. I think that we do have like blood pressure monitors located in most pharmacies, for example. Uh, and sometimes it is those coincidental uh, checkups that prompt you. Some people get private health checks and that's the first time they've been alerted. But I think the blood pressure is one of those that, especially if you're over the age of 40, you 
perhaps are overweight or have a strong family history, um, getting a blood pressure check in, uh, is, is very important. And then when you mentioned about other factors that you can look out for, weight is significantly linked to heart disease. So knowing what, you know, having a, a healthy weight is is obviously advisable but if you are overweight and struggling to lose or manage it then speaking to your doctor about that again there's ways that we can support our patients with that um, and then other things are if you've got you know conditions such as type 2 diabetes uh, those are other indications that you know you are at risk of, of you know heart disease later on right okay so that's 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 a good summary of what we should be looking out for and some ways of doing it you know there's nothing wrong with breezing into your pharmacy and trying out their blood pressure machine yeah and, and often they're well always they're free to use aren't they i've, I've never used one of those yep 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 pharmacies they don't tend to charge so uh pop in get a recheck and remember you can always uh, book in with your practice nurse as well if you're wanting a more kind of deeper um assessment where we'll check your height your weight blood pressure and if you are over 40 and at higher risk we would do a check of looking at your cholesterol um, and making sure that that's uh, okay and your sugar levels because again high sugar levels as well as high cholesterol um, are risk factors for heart attacks and strokes. Okay right really good advice now let's move on to wearables because I've got to say I love wearables did I say variables I meant wearables <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I love wearables I, you know mm. I've, I've, I've got one and uh, yep. I go for the odd jog, and I and I I, I use these these, uh, uh, and I I enjoy kind of seeing whether I'm any faster or what my heart rate was and all that sort of stuff. And they yeah. are getting more and more popular uh, for sure. Yeah. Now, I mean, can these things actually be useful for spotting potential useful. heart problems? Yeah, yeah. And I will come back to something that you mentioned earlier in the interview, and and you know, and I appreciate not everyone has. Uh, has a tracking device or you know out of choice might not want it or might not be able to afford it um, and you know the it's it's not that you have to have it but knowing that actually as well as everything else that we've discussed these tracking devices can be helpful right from helping you with on your fitness journeys lots of people whether it's high intensity exercise I've got lots of patients that you know love doing their steps and it, and it helps them validate that to tracking your sleep. Again, sleep is a very powerful um, sort of factor when it comes to your heart health. But also, as I mentioned earlier, there, we've got new features um, such as this irregular heart rhythm notification feature, which has been exciting me on Fitbit, that right. we're allowing people to look at vari the variations of their heart rate. So that if there is something that's been flagged up on your tracking device and it's gone go to your doctor, it can aid us and can start that journey in the diagnosis and management before we can say organize an ECG or a 24 hour monitor, for example. Yeah, no, I get it. It sounds like it could be very useful. I have spoken to quite a few um, wearable uh, companies and people that work for them, yeah. people, even some people that develop these things. And uh, when I say, okay, this sounds like it could be really useful as a, as a medical device, then they all shy away immediately and get pretty scared. And they don't often don't want their thing to be called a medical device. I, I can only assume because this is, you know, for some legal reasons or, or, or what have you. But is that that? So that's not the situation. You're you're talking about uh, Fitbit, you know. Well, I, I know about Fitbit and I have it, my family uses it. So I, I know as a user as well, as well as, you know, somebody who patients have brought in data that has really been life-saving for them because yeah. they've detected you know really fast heart rates um at, whilst they've been sleeping and as a result of that it's prompted you know investigations and management but i would never say it's it's one thing that's going to be the definitive everything that we do within our kind of lifestyle journey is about gathering a picture so it's something that isn't you know i'm not going to be taking your tracker device data and being like right this is it this is your medical uh, you know i'm diagnosing you on the spot with this but it's something that adds to the picture in the same way if you you went and got this incidental blood pressure reading you bringing that data to your doctor starts you on your blood pressure investigation journey so these things yeah. all are helpful um nothing is definitive um and you know whether you call it a medical device or you know what have you i think it's it's a good tool to to have um as part of everything else that you're doing for yourself no you're right it's, it's actually it is thinking about it is it exactly the same as my personal situation and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah exactly that, made, that yeah and, and I, I think i had that discussion with the gp 
uh, said, you yeah. know, I, I use one of these machines and now I'm terrified. I, I want I want you to see uh, what can be done or what I can do to help myself, actually. Yeah. More, more, more the idea. So yeah. it's so if, if people do go to their GP and uh, with this kind of information saying that I've got a wearable and it's showing that sometimes my heart rate is really high or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. Um, you're pretty confident that the GPs will uh, take them seriously. Oh, you've always got to take your patients seriously and everything they're presenting to you is valid. You know, it's, it's personal to them. Um, but you wouldn't be acting solely on that information. But equally, I would never want anyone to ignore that. So the absolute right thing to do is to go to your doctor and say, well, this is what's been happening. This would then prompt a history. It would prompt an, an examination. So because everything is about finding the root cause, there are lots of benign, um, so non-serious reasons for why you could be having, for example, we're using heart rate here, you know, for a fast heart rate, but it could be something that's indicating underlying disease. So once you've done that blood pressure, listening into the heart, listening into the lungs, then doing some blood tests, you would want to then investigate further if needed through ECGs or 24-hour electrical monitors to see what is going on with this person's heart. Um, and the earlier we can detect that, that's the thing that goes on to save people's lives. No, I get it. Uh, I like to specialise sometimes in questions that are slightly unfair. So it's a bit of a warning. Here's, here's the oh, God. <laughs> unfair question, potentially unfair coming up. This, this um, These sorts of wearables can generate massive amounts of data, which I can imagine could be really useful for public health um, in general, you know, what, what sort of um, areas seem to be having more heart attacks or, or well, I, don't, I don't know, that's just one, one thought, but lots of information, big data that could be used uh, for public health. Is, is that actually happening at all now? Because obviously this, this data is, is well, uh, maybe commercially sensitive and all sorts of difficult issues bound up with that. But is, is anything happening in that sphere at the moment? Oh, I think you're asking the wrong person because, uh, you know, obviously health is my domain. I don't really know what happens in the commercial front and what happens with kind of tech data. If you're asking me, do we need more research and data results on from a wider uh, sort of cohort of people, then, you know, I'd, I'd be hopeful that this this can be put forward for that. Because, for example, we know historically women are very underrepresented in data and research when it comes to things like heart attacks. We know that women are more likely to not be taken as seriously as men when it comes to heart attacks. And we need more data on that front. So I don't know, you know, whether this data goes on to 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 help with wider research but I think that we do as a whole um, need to step up the data collection to get that diversity as well um, from different uh, sort of groups of people in society. Yeah I think you're right okay well thank you for kind of answering the unfair question uh, but <laughs> it, it, it certainly seems no doubt that in the in the long run prevention is better than cure yes. and anything that can help us with prevention is a, a good thing you know whether that be wearables or people just being a bit more aware taking their own heart rate or popping in to the pharmacy to uh, to test their blood pressure on on the, the pharmacy's uh, machine so in the, in the long run um this has got to be good for the nhs and has got to save yeah. or certainly make gp's life a bit easier uh, and and save the nhs resources would, would you agree with that um, I think that we, we I think what it's not about making the GP's life easier. It's about being able to recognize risk early on. And far too often when it comes to heart diseases, people wait too long or they ignore symptoms or and, and sometimes these signs could be early warning signs that something major is brewing. So what we're trying to do is to help empower people to be able to recognize early signs and present earlier but remember it's not just when you're talking about prevention this is just one thing ultimately what you are doing with your lifestyle is what matters 
So watching what you're putting into your body to feed the heart every day is vital. So looking after your diet, because in the long run, that's going to have the biggest impact, as well as making sure that you are giving you know, enough physical activity to your body, that the heart is having a chance to really work. Um, so sitting less and moving more, uh, to look at your stress and anxiety levels, managing that, ensuring that you are sleeping well, not just sleeping sort of in terms of quality, but also the quantity of sleep you're getting. All these things are what ultimately helps in the long term and along the way if you've got some help from tracking devices and if you're in a position to have one or if you're able to kind of just keep a little journal and a log of what your heart is doing from time to time through blood pressure readings or checking your pulse then you know what that, that's great and it's not making the doctor's life easy what it's doing is it's, it's helping you have a longer healthier life perfect if people are listening to this and, and think right uh Poonam is making perfect sense i want to get on board <laughs> and i want to start doing this is, is there um, a, a resource or a website, uh, maybe an NHS website that you could maybe point people towards? Yeah, so I think if any of what we've spoken today about, so for example, rhythm disturbances, atrial fibrillation, heart disease, the NHS website is always an excellent resource and it's credible. And it's important that whenever you're getting your information, you're getting it from reputable, credible sites like the NHS. And I guess if you want to learn about these tracking devices that I've spoken about today, you can head to Fitbit's website for that. Perfect. Poonam, thank you very much indeed for chatting. I think I think this is a really important topic and potentially and help a lot of people so many thanks thank you thank you very much UK Health Radio the station that makes you feel good nagging pain we at Algacells know that a small amount of the patient's own bone marrow and blood cells can treat many painful conditions with regenerative orthopaedic therapy This is an attractive treatment option for painful joints, back pain, sports injuries and many other conditions. It may avoid the need for surgery altogether. Algacells, part of a network of 50 Regenex clinics worldwide where over 60,000 patients have been treated and helped. Algacells, life is more beautiful with less pain. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Before the next guest, I just want to bring you up to speed with my personal attempts in the last three weeks or so to lose weight and reduce my blood pressure. I've had a a personal trainer called Vlad, and uh, you can see him on Instagram as he uh, sits on this machine that I drag up and down uh, the gym. I've been using my wearable just to keep an eye on how many calories I've burned. I have to say, it feels like I've had constantly stiff muscles and at times I've been really stuck in my chair at home and it's been an effort to get out but the pain is reducing as uh, time goes on. I've also been trying to eat healthier and I've been using an app to keep an eye and on what I eat and count uh, the calories and I found that logging my diet really does help me to stop eating so much rubbish and drink much less alcohol. My weight has reduced I think maybe by about two kilograms. We're not really sure how much because at the last weigh-in at the gym, the the scales weren't working because the battery had run dead. So more on that later. I feel good and uh, I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to give you a full report soon on, on how I've done. But on with the show about wearables. Anne Reese, uh, she's marketing manager from MyZone, the wearable company. And the whole issue of wearables, it's an area of which I'm learning more, but uh, in many ways, I still am a bit of a novice. So first of all, I thanked Anne for coming in and educating me a little bit more. No worries, good to be here. And in fact, you, you've spoken to me before in, in a past life, haven't you? So you're obviously a bit of a sucker for punishment. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, it was a few years ago now, though, hey? 
it, it was a few years ago, and you were with, you were working uh, with uh, UK Active. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you're 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 still in the world of people being active, and uh, I, I imagine you're still very active yourself. Are you are you a bit of a sports person still? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I actually. Um, my boyfriend gets quite upset if I don't go out each morning to do something because I get so like moody throughout the day. So I'm okay. to be pretty active most days. <laughs> All right. And I, I imagine working in the industry that you do, it's a bit of a prerequisite, isn't it? It's interesting. For some people, yes, they are through and through the ultimate sportsman. And for some people, no, they just love the idea that they're getting someone else healthy. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So Wearable technology is is the topic that I'm keen to kind of uh, chat about, bend your ear a little bit about. And it really does seem very popular. You know, you, you see lots of people out and about or on the train or at work, whether wearing different watches and different things kind of attached to them. And I, you know, I assume this is all wearable technology, not, not just kind of patches to help you give up smoking and that sort of thing. But, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. So... The, the question really is, is this kind of, because it's so popular at the moment, is it like a fashion thing and everyone's into it? Or is it really here to stay? Is it going to be a big thing for the future? In honesty, for the future, it's when you look at it, and you can look at, there's so many reports out there in terms of the actual market growth. And the market growth, you're looking at, you know, compound growth rates of up to sort of, I think the largest I've seen is 15% over the next several years. It's predicted to be a big market but more than that I think we have seen quite a large growth in recent years and I guess that could give the impression of it being a trend but that's because obviously throughout what we saw in the past few years and the and the pandemic people have started to understand and want to understand and just think a bit more about their health and that's where the the wearable technology comes in. It's an opportunity for the for every person, day to day life, to have a little bit of knowledge about their health. So whether that's a case of they just like to see their heart rate, or they like to see if they slept well, or when they're exercising, they want to see if they ran a bit quicker. It's we develop that want for that bit of knowledge around health. And as I think. Over the next few years, we're only going to see that continue to grow. Um, yeah, so in short, it's here to stay. I also from, hope it is. Yeah, well, from my personal experience, you know, I'm not a great athlete or anything, but I, I do have one of these things that when I go for a little jog, I, I strap it on and I like to see kind of how far I went and that sort of thing. Um, in generally speaking, what do they actually measure? I mean, the one that I've got measures very nicely how far I've gone and gives me a readout of my, my heart rate. But, you know, what are the sort of things people, what information can people get out of these things? Uh, it depends which one you're looking at. You can get a, a whole, it's actually almost scary how much you can get from them nowadays. And like I say, as we see the growth rate, I think we're only going to see more and more stats available. Um, so like I say, it really depends. So I don't know what you have, whether it's a Garmin or a Fitbit or similar, but they tend to track a little bit more metric metrics, so almost your raw data traditionally. So you would have steps per day, heart rate, uh, the distance that you ran, the time that you ran, the cadence of cycling, all these sort of core metrics. And they would be across your day, but also during that period of exercise. Um, we're getting a little bit cleverer now in a couple of ways. Firstly, the organisations that are producing the wearables are recognising that metrics aren't perhaps enough now. Like if I said to you, your heart rate is at 173. Great, that's high, I think. I'm not too sure. Um, yeah. Whereas actually now they're saying, and that puts you in, for example, you might be in a yellow zone for how hard you're working. So, you know, OK, I'm working pretty hard. And then if it's a 190 and you're the red zone, you know, OK, I'm really working hard. It categorizes it a bit for you. And almost a step further than that, you're looking at um, metrics from people like, I'd say, like the Aura Ring and similar ones, which focus a little bit more on taking it step further and saying, how ready are you to exercise or how recovered is your body? So they're taking these core metrics and they're giving you almost a accumulated metric which is easy to understand so they might look at your 
temperature of your body. They might look at your heart rate at the time and the exercise you've done that week. And they might say, okay, today needs to be a rest day. So they're really okay. simplifying those core metrics and in a sense tracking how ready you are that day to exercise or for some it's even the menstrual cycle done by the temperature of the body it's incredible actually what they're getting from the core metrics that they measure so really they're doing quite a lot of the the analysis for you so you you don't have to take all the the the, the raw data and do the analysis yourself you know it, it pops out Yes, exactly. And I think that's I think that's another reason we've seen it grow quite a lot in the past few years. Is it's no longer you have to almost be a, someone that's dedicated, not dedicated to fitness, but really understands it to understand the wearables. Yeah. Nowadays, like you say, the wearables the, in the background when you're working out do all the analysis for you and spit out, here is your summary and it means X. Okay. And I, I suppose the next question, if you say they could they measure almost anything, you know, your your temperature and your heart rate and all this kind of stuff, the, the question's got to be how accurate are they? So because the reason one of the reasons I asked that, so I, I've got a, a, a watch, it's actually it's a TomTom watch, and it's it's on my wrist. Uh, and I get a readout of heart rate, that's one of the things. So my question is, you know, how how accurate can these things really be if it's just a watch? <laughs> it's a good question um, and again it comes down a little bit to some variabilities in terms of for example what are they trying to measure so like I mentioned some of them take temperature and actually that's uh, you know that requires a slightly different type of measurement but the majority are based on heart rate um, and an example here I guess I could go for is at my zone we can wear it in three places so it's a heart rate tracker it's wrist you've got your bicep and you've got your chest and you're right, the wrist is accurate, not just for my son, I'm talking across the board here, but it's actually done by PPG, which is essentially where it flashes an LED light onto the skin. And it depends on the flow of the blood, essentially, how much light's refracted back. And that's how they measure your heart rate. All right, um, horrible question contrast, coming up. What, what does PPG stand for? I knew you were going to ask this, and I can't photo... I'm not going to get it. <laughs> okay. But it's um, oh, photo something sounds about right. Okay. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know either. I'm I'm not I'm not trying to be nasty. I, okay, right. So, no, and it's it a very matter. valid question, but it's just um you know that word you always get stuck on as a kid. For me, yeah. I just can't. I can tell you what ECG what I'm going to come on to, electrocardiographic. <laughs> yeah. Um but so then ECG is essentially done by, you have to wear a chest strap essentially. So you'll see some wearable trackers, they'll place them on the chest. So yeah. originally my son was always worn on the chest and that actually measures the electrical impulse of the heart. So actually when the heart beats, it produces an electrical impulse and that's what it measures. So that is more accurate by a small percentage than on your wrist normally. And some other variables are things like, for example, Apple has worked very hard for the Apple Watch so that you don't have to wear it as tight on the wrist because of the mm -hmm. power of the LED. I believe it's the power of the LED, that might be wrong, but that you don't have to wear it as tight. Whereas some you have to wear very tight to the wrist to ensure that it gets the light accurately reflecting. Um, but also what exercise you're doing. A lot of, for example, a lot can't be worn in water for swimming because obviously the water gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's a lot of different factors that really affect the variability. One one thing I have noticed, and and you know this is tied up with the same topic really. Um, I used to have one that went around my chest, and actually after a while it's been uncomfortable. You know you wouldn't really want to run a whole marathon with this thing on because I'm sure I'm sure it'll you know rub your your chest raw whether you've got this kind of thing strapped around me, strapped around you. Perhaps, perhaps I'm just been a bit pathetic because I'm a mere male and I don't have to wear a bra all day. But you know some of these things can be a bit uncomfortable, can't they? They can. And I think, again, that's what people are working on. Um, interestingly, I would say for me, uh, for when I wear my mosaic, the chest for me is the most comfortable. Um, but then that's when I'm running. When I'm in the gym, I find it maybe more comfortable on my wrist, which is con which I probably shouldn't do because that's a grip strength and you should wear it on your chest. Okay. So I think you're right that it, 
it's very personable what is and isn't comfortable um and at the end of the day it's all well and good saying yeah you've got two percent more accuracy if you wear it this way and that's what we're aiming for but if it's not comfortable it's not comfortable so wear it where it's comfortable <laughs> yeah because yeah, if yeah because actually if you don't wear it or you take it off halfway through because it's not comfortable uh, you don't get any any information at all so exactly be, yeah be, be as comfortable as you can like, like coming on so lots of people have different types of wearables getting all sorts of different information and I, I i suppose one of the main reasons why people are doing it is is to sort of motivate themselves make themselves get a bit fitter do a bit more exercise now my my thought is that you know anecdotally yeah obviously that will work but does it really work is, is there a, have there been any studies to really show that if you use these things I'm not talking about elite athletes here. I'm talking about the rest of us, you know, who sort of plod around the block every so often. Does this stuff really motivate us to get us all fitter and healthier? There's, well, yes, is the short answer. Um, there's a lot of research that is out there. And the trouble is a lot of the research is done potentially on smaller demographics. So it might be on the elderly and improving the longevity, like life longevity, or it might be on those that are trying to lose weight and getting them to adhere to an exercise program. So a lot of it is sometimes is quite hard to extrapolate to the wider population. Mm -hmm. um, but as a general findings from across the board, if you were to, to summarise, yes, it does. Um, and there's a couple, I think the interesting part is actually then looking at the research and the why, which hasn't been researched quite so much. But you can take, and a lot of, so from a psychology perspective, people will say things like the habit loop. By going out and exercising and getting the feedback, that's triggering you to then go, oh, OK, I went a little bit quicker today. Let me try again. And it starts to become that more of a habit loop. And you're getting these small triggers and these small rewards and you've got something to work for. And that's another element of them is actually the gamification side. They're getting very clever, the people behind a lot of the wearables that put the triggers in just the right place or they reward you just enough or they make it so if you don't hit this in time, sorry, you drop back a level bit, can you hit this? They make it a game. So actually, yes, just generally for exercise adherence, there is research out there that says yes, but it's that gamification side of it that I think is the real trigger as to why. And okay. um, it's those little psychological, uh, those, those little psychological bits. And, and certainly some of them, provide feedback over like a, a, a wider range of person you know a, a whole group of people is that is that right so you know you can have know, a group of people at work all wearing these things and then you can get a leaderboard of you know john he ran two miles yesterday and uh, you know he's the top because no one else did or everyone else just walked a mile or something like that is that is that the kind of thing yeah. that you mean by gamification yeah that's a very good example of it so leaderboards is a classic example of gamification um, and actually, you're right. A lot of like uh, wearables become quite popular in sort of corporate well-being because it's a nice way for companies to track the level of activity, not necessarily stringently, but as in just to know they're being active. And you can create these little leaderboards, uh, or within gyms, you can create wherever you are, and that's always going to push you further. It's funny, actually. At MySim, we do a lot of challenges um, for clubs, for groups, for whatever it might be, even internally as staff. And as soon as you set someone the challenge of beating someone, it's incredible to see how motivated they can get. <laughs> <laughs> OK, we, we, I, I, I'm going to ask you more details about MyZone uh, shortly. But an, another really interesting question, and I, and I you know, the, the, there are no sort of specific answers to this, but, but it is something that fascinates me all these different devices are creating an absolute massive data about all our health now sometimes i think this could be you know a fantastic resource you know for, for academics to really understand public health and what are the triggers that make people want to do exercise and all this is potentially great for you know the everybody and getting us all a bit health healthier you're talking about people's data, which is quite personal, and you, it can't just be sort of chucked around into the ether. So, is how who owns the data, and 
Is any of it used? And if so, how? So owning the data, I would, and I can't speak, well, I will say hands up here, I can't speak for every company individually. I don't know what their, their terms and conditions are, the data policies are, et cetera. But generally, I would imagine companies own their own data. You, they will not be sharing that data with anyone unless it's in their T's and C's. Or if they go out and specifically ask, like you might see in some, some applications, you might have a tick box of, I'm happy to share my data with X. And if you have that ticked, your data is also being shared with that third party they've mentioned. Um, in terms of, because you're right, there's an abundance of data out there that would be incredible for so many things, good in terms of like health progression and, mm. and learnings. Um, but just the way data policies work, and obviously, again, it differs around the globe, it's, it's not feasible. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't get used in ways such as if a university or a body such as the NHS came to someone and said, a, a provider, technology wearable provider, and said, look, we really want to understand X, Y, and Z, can we work with you? And in which case, there might be, there's, they go out and ask for permission, or they uh, on board a number of people specifically to share that data, whatever it might be, there are ways the data can be used for the sort of the greater good, as I guess you could almost call it. Yeah. Um, but there's very tight guidelines and it's very protected. Yeah. All right. I, I did realise that was a bit of a, a difficult, almost unfair question. But certainly <laughs> the fact that the data is, um, well, under lock and key and looked after very carefully, yes. I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 found, I find that... Um, Quite a good thing, really. Quite, uh, uh, you know, because potentially it's a bit of a wild west out there. So good, right answer. Thank you. <laughs> let, let me ask you a bit more about um, my zone in in particular. Um, how how does, is my zone a system that just works in a gym, sort of in a gym environment, or can individuals use it just to, you know, if, I don't know if they're going for a jog each day and and yeah. essentially yeah. use it to. Um, see be uh, see how good they they improve as opposed to how they're improving in a group and yeah effectively how does my zone work <laughs> okay I'll, I'll start a little bit from the beginning on that one so my zone essentially is a heart rate training system and um, or it's a heart rate monitor tracker hardware software and physical asset essentially and that's where the gym comes into it so a lot of gyms will have the hardware so hardware software the mysone software and that allows anyone that has the hardware i.e the wearable to then go into their gym and when they're working out their heart rate effort zone so so mysone tracks your heart rate but puts it into like i was saying earlier an easy to digest method of understanding how hard you're working so you have the blue zone the green zone the yellow zone the red zone depending on what percentage of your maximum heart rate you're working at so example for me my maximum heart rate is just under 180. So I know when I'm getting above that, you know, if I'm sitting at around 165, I'm in the red zone, mm-hmm. you know, 90% and above. Um, and so when you're in the gym and you've got your wearable switched on, there'll be screens and you'll be able to see your name, you, the zone that you're working in, in that bright colored tile up there. And then anyone else in the gym that's also working out, you can see what they're up to. You can see their names up there, how long they've been going, the MEPS, and I'll come to MEPS in a minute, that they've got. But that doesn't mean you can't use it by yourself. So there's also an application that comes with it, a free app, which is kind of the community hub, for my say. And it's kind of, it's for me, I think it's the most beautiful part. Anyone can have it. So I'm not a member of a gym, but obviously use my zone. And in this app, you can load up your own personal tile. So when you're working out, no matter where you are in the world, if you're on holiday, whatever, you put on your wearable and you can see whatever zone you're working in, no matter where you are. And it tells you your calories, your heart rate, your heart rate zone, all of that up on the screen. And even as a little dial to show you how you're progressing forwards and back in the effort zones. And then on top of that, the app is sort of the community hub. So you can chat to anyone in the gym, you're you'll be able to connect to members of your gym and chat to them. If you're not a member of the gym, you can just connect to your friends and chat to them. It becomes this real social hub for exercising, but a private social hub. Um, so the long and short of the answer is, yes, no matter who you are, it's a device that you can use for when you're working out. And then afterwards, a device, you, you can then share that 
within the app and then also share it to your social do the classic thing of you know I did a workout shout it loud and proud type moment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay and does does so does it allow you to work out which um sorts of exercises maybe in a gym which particular machine kind of gets the best results individually but also uh, as a as a group you know if everyone was to use this machine for 10 minutes a day or whatever that will be the most efficient in getting everyone healthier and fitter and stronger so yes and no because everyone responds slightly differently to different exercises for right. example on a cost trainer i cannot get my heart rate up but i know some people that can get straight into the red zone on it or cycling some people just can't and for me I'm cycling at a high cadence for two minutes and I'm up in the red zone. So it all that's very dependent upon the individual and almost their level of conditioning. Um, so there's no one size fits all. Um, but what I will say is, and I mentioned MEPS earlier. So MEPS are essentially my zone effort points. And this is a this is important because one, it creates a level playing field. But two, it relates to that to that health guidelines that you mentioned and about ensuring that you're hitting levels of activity that will benefit your health. So who the World Health Organization say 75 minutes of vigorous exercise or plus or 150 of moderate exercise. So for each effort zone and my zone that you're in, you get a different number of maps, so a different number of points. For example, in the yellow and red vigorous, you get four points. In the green zone, you get three. In the blue zone, you get two. Gray zone, sort of that warm-up phase, you get one. Um, and so you get, and then you add up your points over the month. And when you hit 1,300 MEPS, you have equated that to the equivalent amount of exercise needed to hit your World Health Organization goals. So okay. you know if you hit 1,300 MEPS a month, you're on track to maintain that healthy lifestyle as set out by World Health. Okay, and this is great because it's the, these these figures are appropriate, you know, whether you're a marathon runner or you know someone who's not necessarily terribly fit but just started. So you can, you know, you you you, yeah. you can judge yourself against different people. Yeah, a hundred percent. So that's the beauty of it. Your effort zone, your effort is done of your maximum heart rate. So no matter who you are, you could be never run before, or let you say a marathon runner. If you're both in the red zone, you're working as hard as each other. It's not sure. about how good you are. So yeah. that's like that's why it equates no matter what to the world health. But also that's the beauty of it in places like in sports teams, when you've got, for example, different positions in rugby, they aren't the same speed, but they'll work the same effort in a training session. Or similarly in an in netball, different positions, or in in a company particularly where you've got, you know um joe who hates exercising but likes to walk everywhere and you're trying to do a company health and well-being um uh what's it called uh initiative versus mm -hmm. you know the gentle the lady that likes to go and cycle every single weekend they're on a level playing field so that's that is the other side of it you're right the beauty is it's inclusive and everyone's at the same level yeah no i get it no that sounds like a, a very nice idea a good way to run things Going back to sort of general questions uh, now, one, yeah. one about health. Um, has wearable technology, this kind of thing, or, or does it generally throw up health problems that people might not have known about? And it's, you know, giving them a kick. Look, you need to go and see your doctor. This, this is potentially quite serious. Go see your doctor and um, do something about it. You know, otherwise they might not have known. It's an interesting one because firstly, what I will say is I am not saying and I would advocate using it to diagnose yourself. <laughs> that's right, yeah. I've got. And no, that's, that's not never see all, any. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why you'll never see you'll never see many organizations go out and say you can because obviously that's a whole piece of legislation, you know, but you absolutely can is the short answer. Um, and we have many stories or we get people telling us that, you know, I noticed that all of a sudden my heart rate was jumping around in my exercises. And I wasn't sure what was happening. They'd go to the doctor and actually there was an underlying heart issue. Um, or it could be another example is uh, I wear my Garmin a lot. And when I first got COVID, I realized that my temperature, my, my natural body temperature and my heart rate were much higher than 
they had been previously. And I was like, oh, this is odd, but I didn't feel ill. I then tested positive. So yeah, in, in the long and short of it, by measuring all of these metrics, and these metrics are often what tells a doctor that you're ill, you can absolutely understand you can actually get a gauge as to whether something is wrong. Yeah. And a lot of the time that very much comes back to, do you know yourself? So say, I know what my resting heart rate is. Um, and that's kind of where you go from. If you know your baselines, you can use it very well. But like I say, I wouldn't recommend jumping online, Googling what, you know, a jump in a heart rate could be and then trying to self-diagnose isn't the way to go. <laughs> no, no, I, I get that totally. All right. No, good, good answer. Thank you very much. All right, so look, if people are listening to this and thinking, right, this is interesting, this stuff. I want to find out a bit more, uh, in, either in general about wearables or e- even about my zone, because, you know, that's that's where you're from. Where can people go for a bit more information and help as to the sort of things that might be useful for them? Of course. I'd say famous depending on what you're looking for, but the classic place to start just generally for wearables is how a bit of a Google. There's some classic brands um your, your garments fitbits uh Aura's, whoops all of these brands if you do a bit of a google on one of them read a little bit up on them or there's loads of you know like runners knees have blog articles written about wearables we've got blog articles that summarize wearables over my zone um there's so much out there on the internet and they tend to be pretty good but be careful some, some aren't um but then i'd also say well, I would say actually the wearable technology companies, yes, admittedly, we are probably a little bit biased to how great, you know, te- wearable technology is, but always have some great blog articles and reads on how to use, what to use, why to use. And I think the why is a really important one, because say, for example, if you're just looking to use it for physical activity and exercise, I'd say definitely use my zone. If you're looking to do it for a more day to day, just want to understand your health, maybe look at an aura ring. Um, so I think understanding what you're looking for and why you want to use it is the key place to start. Right. Um, and then I feel I've got to say also visit myzone.org. We've got lots on there. <laughs> okay, that was uh, myzone.org. Yes, you have to get a plugin. Yes, perfect. All right, look, look, the, 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 very interesting. Uh, these, you know, because I, I had the opportunity to ask some of the questions that I've been thinking about for a long time. So Anne, that's thank you very much indeed uh, for chatting. It's much appreciated. No worries. Thank you for having me. Many thanks to the guests on this week's show. Thank you to you for listening. And a special thanks to the show's sponsor, AlgaCells, who bring regenerative orthopaedic medicine to the UK. Do see their website, algacells.com, for details. If you or a loved one are in pain, do have a look. That was the Relaxed Back UK show with me, Mike Dill. Thank you for listening, and please do join us again next time.